Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer. This episode is brought to you by our investigative platform Noteworthy, where we carry out journalistic projects based on ideas sent to us by the public. I'm Susan Daly. We published a deep dive into soft plastic recycling in Ireland with our reporter Alice Chambers at the helm. Now we all know we should be reducing our waste and recycling more, but what are we allowed to recycle and what actually happens to it? I'm joined today by Alice and also by Mindy O'Brien, who's Chief Executive of the Irish environmental charity Voice. Thanks for coming on to the podcast, Mindy and Alice. Alice, let's start with the basics. What is soft plastic? Why are we talking about it? Thanks, Susan. Well, soft plastic is anything that you can scrunch in your hand. And so maybe that'll be a pasta packet or a crisp packet. There's actually no technical definition of it. It's a definition that's been made to make it easier for consumers to understand what needs to go into the recycling bin. But that's broadly what it is. Any packaging that you can crunch in your hand. And the reason that we're talking about it is because the guidelines changed in September 2021 about what you could put in your recycling bin. Before that, we weren't supposed to put soft plastic in our recycling bin. We were meant to throw it away in our general waste bin. But since since September 2021, we can recycle it. And that's part of the government's commitment to a circular economy. They also say it's because we have new markets and new technology. That means we can better sort our recycling. And if we if we don't do it, we probably won't reach our EU targets. Ireland is committed to EU packaging recycling targets, plastic packaging recycling targets. And we've been doing pretty well so far, but we have to recycle 50% of our plastic packaging by 2025 and 55% by 2030. And if we don't get more of our plastic out of our waste bin and into our recycling bin, we're not going to meet that target. That's right, Alice. I remember when they were bringing that in, there was a lot of public facing commentary and promotion of it. There was a lot of celebratory interviews on news radio shows. Uh, Oh, we can recycle our soft plastic now. But I think there were also a lot of people commenting, saying, "Mm, are we really or is this kind of preparing us for when eventually soft plastic can be recycled properly? So I'm interested on how we're currently doing and whether we know the rule change has been successful. Well, Susan, this is actually quite a frustrating part of the investigation because we don't have any data yet. The EPA released its waste stats just before Christmas, but those are for 2020, not 2021. So, of course, they don't cover the soft plastic recycling. However, those 2020 stats showed that 71% of plastic packaging was burnt in cement kilns or in energy plants, and only 29% of plastic packaging was recycled. It's difficult to say, of course, whether the stats would look similar for soft plastic. The EPA gets its data from Repack, which regulates the packaging that goes on the Irish market, but they haven't been able to give us the stats from 2021 either. So what we're doing at the moment is we're estimating. Repack has told me that additional soft plastic recycled within the full year 2022 is expected to be approximately 9,000 tonnes. So that's 9,000 extra tonnes of soft plastic recycling, and that's the best estimate we currently have. Now, that sounds pretty grim, but it's not all hopeless. I visited a new plant in Limerick just before Christmas, which opened last March, and it has much better technology than we've seen in Ireland before. And they're sorting plastics that we've never been able to sort in Ireland before at all. 
And Mindy, I wanted to talk to you then about Alice's point there about Ireland's ambitions to move towards a circular economy. And you've been working on this issue for a long time. Can you explain to, I suppose, the layperson, myself included, what the circular economy actually means? Thanks, Susan. Um, The circular economy means is that when you make something, you design for reuse, repair, uh, refurbishing, and that you, instead of using it once like a linear design that you extract the resources, you, you, you produce the product, you consume it, you throw away. The circular economy means that you design for reuse so that you keep repairing, reusing, refurbishing over and over again until the end of life. And then at the end of life, it's easily recyclable so it can make a new product again. So it just means we keep things in the loop for a lot longer, kind of like the, um, you know, the nitrogen cycle or in nature, you have a lot of circularity. And so they're trying to do that here now, um, especially because we live on a planet with finite resources. Uh, We have to make sure that we manage and use those resources wisely. Um, We can't continue to throw them away. Sure. And of course, we are part of a larger block as well. There are EU rules with which Ireland has to comply. Um, Are there new EU Commission proposals on packaging, Mindy, that we have to bear heed to really in this country? Well, there's something called the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive, which was passed years ago and it was revised a few years ago and now they're doing another revision and the commission has just released its recommendations um and what they're looking at is more reuse targets um this is something we've been working very hard on is for packaging my mantra is i want to buy the buy the product not the packaging so if i can borrow the packaging if i can rent the packaging if i can bring my own packaging um and this is what the eu is looking at is to have reused targets and sector by sector. So in the retail or the uh, on the go takeaway packaging in uh, supermarkets as well. Um, so that instead of buying a glass bottle you use once, you will buy a glass bottle that you will use over and over again and create the pooling systems and the logistics and the sanitation systems to use that packaging again and again. Um, they're also looking to ban certain products. There's a proposal to ban the hotel toiletries, um, small sachets, um, and also it will increase the recycling targets for the different packaging material such as plastic, paper, card, metals. So the uh, the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive should be passed by 2024 by the end of the parliament. And it all makes sense. I mean, look, as much as anybody, I live for a good small hotel toiletry. But when you add it up, you, you do feel absolute shame in the amount of waste. And what you're saying there, Mindy, is really the focus on reusing. So we talk a lot about recycling as if this is a very virtuous thing to do and it is key to the circular economy. But it's also about reducing the waste we produce in the first place. So with Ireland's waste system, though, how are we coping with these obligations? How does Ireland's waste system work? Susan, what you were saying is recycling is very important, but there's something called the waste hierarchy. So the first thing we want to, it's a pyramid. And the first thing we want to look at is how do we prevent the creation of waste? And then we look at how we can reuse, how can we repair? And recycling is just above disposal. So we really need to focus on the upper two tiers of the waste hierarchy. And how is Ireland doing? I mean, we've been meeting all of our recycling targets to date. 
Year on year, our production of packaging has increased. We're over a million tons of packaging each year. Our plastic packaging has increased dramatically. We're never going to recycle our way out of this. We need to reduce the amount of plastic packaging and other packaging that we're putting on the marketplace. Um, and this is something not unique to Ireland. It's across the EU and also in other developed countries. So we really need to look at how do we reduce the packaging that we're creating. Uh, and in terms of plastic, um, I'm part of an organization called Break Free from Plastic. It's an international organization network. And uh, we're working on the UN Global Treaty on Plastic. And they are looking at the whole life cycle of the plastic and looking how can we turn the tap off on plastic, make it more recyclable, and go from uh, cradle to grave to make sure that what we put out there is easily recyclable and reusable. Alice, I'm going to come to you in a second about the soft plastic specifically, actually. But Mindy, just one more question for you there about Ireland's waste system, because it is unusual in that it's privatised. But we do have a producer compliance scheme run by Repack. How does that work? How does that encourage uh, producers to, to produce less plastic, I guess? Yeah, this is confusing for the public, really, how Repack works. So what happens is if a producer... This is like Coca-Cola or any uh, people who put a product onto the marketplace, a producer, a retailer, importer of anything that has packaging that they have to pay to repack a certain amount per ton. Um, It was around 89 euros per ton. It's now gone up to over 100 euros per ton. And that goes to repack. And under the EU packaging directive, what happens is Anyone who puts packaging onto the marketplace has to make sure that it's properly managed. And instead of taking the packaging back, um, what they do is they pay to repack. And then repack helps subsidize our green bin, our recycling bin. They help finance the the bottle banks, the civic amenity centers would take back packaging. So the money that goes there goes out to help develop the infrastructure. And you're right, we are a country that has a privatized waste collection system and waste treatment system, which is unique. Uh, It's more similar to the U.S. model. Uh, And this means that the local authorities have no real skin in the game right now. So it's mostly done by privatization and private companies. And so that's why we might have three companies on the street collecting our bins and compete for our waste. So it sometimes there's a race to the bottom, uh, people charging lower and lower prices, but then maybe they're not as in compliance as, let's say, the, the public sector would be. Alice, I'm going to come to you specifically about the soft plastic because as I remember in 2021, when that directive came in, we had a lot of uh, feedback to our colleagues in the journal and also to Noteworthy when they knew you were looking at this project around, well, is this real? You know, what is happening to our soft plastics? So what was happening to our soft plastics before September 2021 and what happens now? So before September 2021, you put your soft plastics in the waste bin. And so you would have your rigid plastics like your milk bottles. They could go into the recycling bin, but any film if you had a, a bacon pack that you could scrunch in your hand, all that had to go into the waste bin. And what would typically happen with that is that it would go to landfill or incineration. Since September 2021, if people are putting their soft plastic in the green bin, in their recycling bin, then it gets collected like the rest of our recycling. And what happens with our recycling? Well, 
you put your bin on the street and the bin men collect it. And then it goes to a materials recovery facility, an MRF, which people call a MRF. And the MRFs are big stations that separate our waste. We are kind of unusual in that we put all of our recycling in one bin. Other European countries separate it. They might have a paper bin and a plastic bin and maybe a metal bin as well. We put it all in the same bin and that has advantages and disadvantages. The advantage is that it's a really easy message to the consumer. And in your household, you don't need to really think. You can just put everything in the in the recycling bin. But the disadvantage is that that then needs to be separated because it's only valuable when you can get like materials together. And so the, the, the MRF, the Material Recovery Facility, there's about nine of them in Ireland, and that's the first step. And so they'll put our packaging through their facility. There's various different conveyor belts. They have hand pickers as well, perhaps uh, optical sorting machines. And that waste comes out the other end. And if they can get it to a purity that's good enough, and that typically happens with paper, with uh, some of the hard plastics, milk bottles being another good example, uh, then they can sell that directly. Because as we talked about, the the waste system is for profit. So the, the factories need to be making money on this waste. Waste becomes valuable once it's sorted. And so they might sell that directly. Typically with soft plastics, they're more challenging. And so what might have happened in the past, as I said, it was we didn't even get them to the recycling facility. Now they'll go through these MRFs and the MRFs may be able to pick some of them out and they may not. And if they if they can't get it to a good enough quality, they might then send it for recovery. Now, what recovery means in the in the waste world is that it means that the material the material is burnt, either to replace solid fuel, or in cement kilns, for example. There's uh, three or four cement kilns in Ireland that burn uh, soft plastic waste and and other waste uh, to replace fuel. Okay, Alice, you are probably feeding a certain amount of my fears there that indeed with soft plastics we are actually sending a lot abroad or it can get burnt in Ireland to replace other fuel. Um, And also the fact that we're not sorting it in the way they do with other countries and and what happens then with that being dealt. And Ireland is quite small as well in terms of what we can recycle or not. But could you tell me a bit about your visit to Limerick, to a plant down there? Is there any sort of hopeful scenario that you can see from what you witnessed going on there and what kind of work they're doing? Yes, Susan, it's not all doom and gloom. The reality is that we do export a lot. That That's not such a bad thing necessarily. Uh, first of all, everyone I spoke to really stressed that Ireland is a very small market. And remember, the waste system is for profit. So companies need to be able to make money on the plastic that they're sorting. And if we can get it to a good enough quality and send it abroad, that's actually, it's not the, the best. It would be better to use it in Ireland, but it's not being dumped abroad. It's being sold abroad. And then it can be made into a a new product overseas. What Limerick Polymer Productions is doing is that they are getting that purity higher. So in the past, if we weren't able to sort our plastic sufficiently, we would burn it. Now we are able to do more sorting, it seems. Now, the plant has only been online since March 2021, so we don't really have any data yet. I asked them and they told me that they think the fact that their plant exists means that they'll be able to recycle about 10,000 tonnes of additional soft plastic in Ireland. And that means that they've increased soft plastic recycling by 53%. Now, we don't have those numbers, so it's hard to be certain. But that that's a good news because if we can if we can sort plastic into its waste streams, we can do something with it and we don't need to we don't need to burn it. 
So our bread wrap has gone from our bin and it's gone to a waste collector and it's maybe gone on to a plant like the one in Limerick. What kind of oversight do we have, though, when it does end up getting shipped abroad in whatever format? Yeah, this is obviously a very important question. In the 70s and 80s, the answer was very little. But in response to scandals about our waste being dumped in in other countries, the international community came together and the EU has come together as well to say enough is enough and we need to have a better oversight of where our waste goes. And we have a system in, in Europe at the moment whereby waste is sorted into what's called the amber list and the green list. If it's good quality, it's one polymer or one type of material and it's not hazardous, it can be sold as a green list waste. And then if it's mixed or it's more hazardous, it's sold as amber list. In both cases, the body with oversight is the Transfrontier Shipment Office, which is based in Dublin. And they inspect facilities in Ireland. They inspect shipments at ports to make sure that we're exporting what we say we're exporting. And then if in the case of amberless waste, they'll follow up in the destination countries as well, as far as possible. Now, there's obviously limits to this system. The office can't inspect every single waste shipment. There's too much. I asked them how much waste is exported every year. Uh, it's roughly 2 million tonnes. So that's that's a lot to be inspecting. And of course, when the inspectors are in the ports looking at the waste being sent abroad, it's not always possible for them to be sure that waste isn't contaminated. But the system is, is pretty good so far. And the EU is bringing in additional measures that will make it even tougher to export outside of the EU. Okay, that's sort of positive. But at the same time, Mindy, I'll have to come back to you on this because we can see that soft plastic is difficult to recycle. We're only a little bit on the road with it so far. But could we do away with plastic? Are there alternatives? Well, again, I can go back to the reuse idea. In in France, they've passed legislation that they've identified 30 um, fruit and vegetables that do not require packaging. And so you're not supposed to use packaging on those items. They've also stated that large supermarkets that have greater than 400 square meters of uh, area space has to devote 20% of its square footage to reuse and refill. So I think we just need to look at how to prevent the creation of the plastic packaging. Uh, and there are alternatives. Um, and a lot of, as we go into our supermarkets, we see a lot of things that are wrapped up in plastic. And that's purely for ease of the supermarkets, you know, ease in packing, ease in stacking. You know, we have parsnips, we have, you know, aubergines, courgettes, a lot of these things that are pretty robust potatoes uh, that don't need to be wrapped in plastic. But we need to make sure we don't um, switch to unfortunate, uh, it's called unfortunate substitution. So switching from plastics to paper or plastics to compostables. We need to see how can we have things that are naked that without packaging at all. And if we think about the phrase reduce, reuse, recycle, those are in order of priority, I suppose. And you mentioned alternatives there, Mindy. Um, What do you think of bioplastics, for example? Is that just greenwashing? Yeah, uh, there's a real concern about bioplastics. And this is where it gets confusing. So not all bioplastics are compostables. Bioplastics are basically the same polymer as a fossil 
oil-based oil-based plastics. So it's the same um, chemical makeup. So there's still PET or polystyrene or whatever, but it's made from a plant rather than fossil fuel. And so they would be recyclable the same as the fossil fuel-based ones. Uh, then you also have compostable packaging, which is different, which may not be plastic, may be plastic, may not be plastic. It may be paper-based. And compostability is a set uh, standard that means it, it breaks up within 12 weeks in an industrial composting facility, which means it has a high heat that breaks down the bonds, whereas uh, home compostability is completely different. So if it says, you know, compostable, most likely you have to put it in your compost bin and it won't compost in your in your garden. So that's, is that confusing enough for you? Because it is very confusing between bio-based plastics and compostable items. Absolutely confusing, Mindy. I totally agree. So as a consumer, I'm looking at I get my coffee and I get it in a compostable cup and I think oh, I'm great. But I haven't thought about the fact that, yes, I do put it in my compostable bin, but only because it's headed for an industrial compostable thing, which takes energy to create this heat to break it down. It's not like I can put it on my compost heap at the back of my small garden. It, it just it, I haven't really thought about it. And this is the issue, Alice, isn't it? That consumers do feel a lot of pressure, I guess, to you know, do their sorting. But is it an issue that consumers can solve alone? I think there's a lot that consumers can do. And that would be my message is that we shouldn't lose hope and stop doing it all together. Uh, there are there are things that we can do. You can make sure that you buy plastics that are single polymer as far as possible. You know, sometimes you can get drinks in packaging that's a mixture of paper and plastic. That's really difficult to recycle. You'd be better off buying it in a single plastic container. And you, you know, you, you should separate your waste and you, you should make sure it's clean, dry and loose. But this is definitely not a problem that consumers can solve alone. And the the packaging industry and government has, has a, a huge role to play because, first of all, if we look at the packaging industry, it is confusing for consumers. Uh, even the even the recycling symbols aren't standardised. And that's some good news. The EU uh, commission's proposals that Mindy talked about earlier would also standardize those recycling symbols. I think that's a really good thing. But there's this tension between packaging design and, and recyclability. And so what we need supermarkets and packaging designers to do is to make sure that they design a product that is less packaging and also more recyclable packaging. That's the first thing. And the other thing is that government needs to provide legislation that that ensures that there's a market for the plastic. I spoke to people involved in the recycling industry and they said because it's a for-profit industry, they need to make sure that they're making money, that the investment into plants is worth it, that the investment into new technology to sort plastic is worth it. And so subsidies from Repack really help. And, and when the government says that you know we need to recycle a certain amount and that new products need to have a certain amount of recycled material in them, then the recycling market becomes more valuable and, and the recycling will get better as a result. So is that the future then, Mindy? Legislation helping out, recognising it's a privatised system, that it has to work for all stakeholders. How positive do you feel about the future of, I suppose, reducing waste, recycling, reusing? Yeah, and I, I think it definitely has to be resolved by legislation. Um, you have a lot of industry, a lot of supermarkets, a lot of companies that have voluntary commitments that they have targets, you know, we're going to be 100% reusable or recyclable 
uh, packaging by 2025. They're not meeting their targets. You know, it's great to put that out there. It's great greenwashing. But unless the government mandates that they have to do such um, actions, they won't do it. And this is a real in, in interesting point in terms of um, under the single-use plastic directive that passed about three years ago. It became Irish law last year. It says that all EU countries have to have a 90% collection rate for plastic bottles. And we've been pushing for a deposit return scheme for drinks containers for the past 20 years. And they all told me, oh, no, it's too expensive. No, we're not going to do it. Our recycling system works well, but we were only collecting about 60% of our plastic bottles. Once that EU legislation came through, then Ireland said, mm, yeah, we're not going to be able to meet that 90% target. So then Ireland Inc. said, okay, we will put in place a deposit return scheme that has been announced. It should be up and running by February 2024. So that will mean that every aluminium can, every plastic bottle will have a deposit on it. It's going to be 15 cents for the smaller cans and bottles and then 25 cents for the larger bottles. So this also creates a cleaner stream. So if you're, as um, Alice was saying earlier, we have to collect these different materials in a separate stream. If you collect all the PET bottles in one stream, it will be a clean stream. It will be worth more. And also under the single-use plastic directive, bottlers have to use 30% recycled content in their bottles. And where are they going to get these bottles? from countries that have a deposit return scheme in because it will be a clean material that they can use. So that was all done because of legislation. That's fascinating, Mindy. I really appreciate you coming in to explain this to us today and to Alice too for your research and your travels to figure out what is happening with soft plastics in particular in Ireland. We've seen that it is a problem for Ireland, but there are some reasons to be hopeful that the average Irish household is not powerless. There are things that we can do, but it's clear we need industry and government to do more and that being part of the European bloc with its targets and standardisation and policies can be helpful in encouraging the industry to reduce waste and reuse before we even head towards recycling. You have been listening to The Explainer, brought to you today by Noteworthy.ie. It was produced by Laura Byrne. If you want to learn more about our work at Noteworthy and how we source our stories from you, our readers and listeners, head to our site at noteworthy.ie. And you can sign up to our newsletter, which will give you an insider look at our latest investigations by visiting noteworthy.ie forward slash newsletter. Thanks for having us and see you next time.